Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are now heading into the third section of Acts. I'm going to jump back to chapter 15, but it's 15 through 20 today. And we are going to answer the question, what was the groundbreaking decision in Acts? as well as who was the first convert in Europe. All of that and more today in the 20-minute scriptorian right now. So welcome back. We have a lot to cover, so I'm just going to gloss on a couple of things. If you find this section really interesting, uh, I have some recommendations for you of where you can go for some additional books. But for most of us, this will get a little bit tedious. I'm going to jump back to Acts 15, which is in last week's reading. but. I didn't get a chance to go over it, and it lays a huge groundwork for not only what's going to happen for the rest of Acts, but all of the epistles pretty much hit on some of these topics and what what they're discussing. So I want to make sure we touch a little bit there, and then I want to talk about some of the first converts of the church. Uh, so, so open your Bibles, turn them on, let's jump in and tell you what's going on. So in... Uh, let's go back here a second. The part of the the second, say two thirds of the book of Acts, it, are Paul's missionary journeys, and he has three, and they're a little bit hard to follow. So when you read some of them, you're going to get a big list of cities. A lot of them have really foreign sounding names. You wouldn't even know how to say them. Uh, to be honest, uh, in one of my classes, I had to do quiz after quiz on where they were uh, on a map. So for what that's worth. Um, somebody makes you learn that. But they're back in the Bible dictionary and the maps where you can just look at them. But most of them take place, if you kind of take from Israel and the Mediterranean up through what's current Turkey and then parts of Greece on that uh, eastern side of Greece, that's where pretty much all of this is going to take place. But there are three missionary journeys. The first one, which we've already covered in the text but we didn't talk about, are Acts chapter 13 and 14. And that's all uh, what we think of as Asia Minor. So kind of current Turkey. Uh, uh, Paul doesn't go super far there. And then the next one is the second missionary journey, which is right square where we are today, 16 through the first part of 18. And then his third missionary again, uh, and that one he goes to Asia Minor, so Turkey, and then he's told to get out of there and jump way over to Greece. So he jumps over there. And then in the third one, it's 18 continuing, and then through 20. So those are his missionary journeys. And what's going to happen is kind of a, a theme. So if just to keep it straight, let's think about this for a second. So Paul is going to, uh, first first thing he does is continue the mission to Israel. Uh, the Lord has not forgotten his people. And so Paul always starts with the Jewish congregations. So remember, he was a Pharisee, and he's Jewish, and he's proud of it. He says it all the time. And he goes to the synagogues or to the communities, and he preaches uh, and showing them the scriptures how the Messiah is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is this promised Messiah, and he has come, 
and been resurrected and died for the sins of the world. And so he is going to keep starting with them, and you'll see converts from that congregation. Um, additionally, he is going to uh, start teaching the Gentiles. And he says in a couple of uh, three places that he feels like his mission is to the Gentiles. Uh, I, I don't know why that fi I find that so fascinating, but here was a guy who was like super Jewish, right? I mean, he was the Pharisee guy, Saul, and he, when he sees the light, literally he, he becomes the missionary to uh, the Gentiles. Awesome. So in chapter 15, he goes out, we, we copied the, uh, did the story of Cornelius. Go back if you haven't done that, it's, it's a great story. And realizes that the gospel can now be taught to Gentiles without them becoming Jews first. So the, the gospel could always be taught, but they would have to conform to uh, Torah law and uh, the law of Moses, namely circumcision and a number of other dietary laws. Uh, all the morality laws, nobody's really debating that those don't need to be followed, but but some of those other things that we covered last week. So we get to chapter 15. Uh, Barnabas and Paul, the missionary companions, they come back to Jerusalem. Peter's there. We heard P Peter's story as well about the Gentiles. And yet they're in an uproar. They're like, hey, this is super different. Now, take a step back for a minute. This is going to keep coming up. But the clash of cultures that is happening between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians is really vast. And I don't know that we can really appreciate it, but uh, the very core practices and beliefs that they had as Jews, and now they're Messianic Jews, we'll call them, they are, they are like, we give up which ones, and now they don't have to follow them, and so they're just trying to sort it out. And it's really confusing. They, they come up with about four rules, so I'm just going to net it out. They come up with four rules, most of which are going to sound really odd to us, but I'm going to point them out because, again, the rest of Acts, and ev basically every single epistle, covers these rules and so you would never know what they were talking about in the epistles if you don't have this groundwork so it's worth it to pay attention they decide that if gentiles are going so it, it's kind of two things it's going to be either the gentiles have to become jews first so they would have to be circumcised they would have to follow torah they would have to um, uh, follow some of the dietary laws or do the jews give up their jew do they give it up or do the gentiles have to do it Everybody agrees that they have to have be baptized, be believing, and have the gift of the Holy Ghost, as well as start to perform good works. So everyone agrees, yes, yes, that is exactly. But what do we do with this old and new stuff? And so the four things they kind of come up with is, uh, the first one's kind of easy to understand, is that they have to be um, moral, sexually chaste and moral. They can't be sleeping around. Now this one makes sense to us, and eh, maybe not. When you practiced at some of the Gentile churches, part of the practice is sacrifice as well, like they did in the ancient Jewish temple. But uh, they would sacrifice different animals and have different things there and have a feast as well, then they would eat it. But one of the things that was very common was ritual immorality. So they would have um, uh, sexual prostitute, uh, prostitutes there and then that would be part of your offering. I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense to us now. But if you were, that was a very big part of many of the pagan religions at the time was uh, sexual immorality with a temple prostitute at these pagan temples. And so that was going to be a big one. Hey, it goes without saying that one's off the list. Check off the list. Um, that one makes a little more sense to us that they would have to abide by that. But they're going to make that one clear. The, the other three are about 
eating. And, and they're a little bit strange, but um, remember that the Jews, you weren't saved per se by living these laws, by eating or not eating uh, kosher or, or the law of kashrut, uh, sharut, kashrut, the kosher law. You weren't saved by it, but you did have to obey it. And so they were like, do they have to obey it? Don't they have to obey it? But here's an interesting thing. If you had a congregation, and they're all Christian now, but some came from a Jewish background and some came from a Gentile background, a couple of the practices that you did was the first one was the sacrament. You participated in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Okay. But another part of it is you'll see they, they ate together often. And this literally means they shared a meal. It, it gave them community and purpose and unity and oneness. And so they ate together often. Now, if you had uh, the Gentile side of the family and the Jewish side of the family uh, not able to eat together, it would just divide them. And so it was decided that a number of the, the, the eating rules, they couldn't eat anything strangled because uh, it still had blood in it. Uh, they couldn't eat anything that was sacrificed to an idol and uh, one of the others. But they were, they were all three. Um, uh, let's see, it's in 15... 20. Um, they were, it says this, so go to 15, uh, Acts 15, 20, we'll read them. But that we write, so they're going to write a letter and tell everybody this, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, so the sacrifices of idols, and from fornication, we just explained that one, and from things strangled, and from blood. So if an animal was strangled, the blood was still in it, and that was found to be uh, impure. And then the last one was just blood in general. You couldn't eat blood. Uh, now, that sounds weird. When I was in Spain, one of their famous delicacies was called blood sausage, which was like blood and onions in a sausage casing. <laughs> Gross. But uh, so not a hard thing to stay away from that one. But again, it wasn't so much that this is a saving thing, but it would allow them to eat together. So they agree to that. And they say, clearly, the Spirit's going to come upon them. They're going to be baptized. And then they're going to start living this uh this Christian lifestyle, but those things. So those are those are kind of the setup point for chapter 15. So got it? Write those down, remember them, or come back to this because it is going to be important as we continue. So let's turn the page and let's move on to chapter 16. So go there now. So in chapter 16, we're introduced to a couple of people. Really briefly, I do want to introduce you to one because it's a great story. But uh, we meet Timothy. They call him uh, Timotheos, his Greek name. And he becomes a great missionary and, and begins a, a church. In, um, and you see it, a couple of letters written to him, First and Second Timothy. So this is where we meet Timothy. And what's great about Timothy is he's convert to the church. And his mom's a Jew and his dad's a Greek, so a Gentile. And even after this debate about circumcision and stuff, which wasn't even on the table anymore, as we just said, um, because uh, Timothy becomes a great leader in the church, but in the beginning, the question's like, ooh, do we circumcise him? And this is going to seem really odd, but if you were Jewish, uh, the thing I didn't point out was that if you were Jewish and you were becoming Christian, you would still follow Jewish law, so circumcision, etc. So because his mother was Jewish, he's considered Jewish. Now, maybe because he had a Greek dad, uh, maybe because they weren't active practicing Jews, or some reason we're not told, but Timothy was never circumcised. And so as he comes into the Christian fold, he is circumcised because, again, he's considered 
a Jew. So he's following this this new protocol. Um, but it's the first time we see him, and he becomes a uh, a great missionary. And we're going to hear about him a little bit later. So there's there's the first time you hit there. Now flip over to chapter 16 and I am in verse 9. And it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him saying, Come over to Macedonia and help with us. Verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So Paul and his companions receive a vision that a man comes to them and says, come over to Macedonia. Now they're over in this southern Turkey part, and you'd think they would go this long road, but they don't. They go all the way to Macedonia, which is current Greece, but it's kind of the north side of Greece. And so they they go up there immediately because of this vision. So the Lord is directing them uh, through this vision, and they get there. And so you know something big is going to happen, right? Can you feel it? One of my favorite stories and they go to Philippi and Philippi is uh, they say the chief city Thessalonica which is right near it is actually the capital of this area but and we see Thessalonians in a minute but Philippi is an old Roman colony where there had been a part of the Civil War and Brutus and Mark Antony and all those guys uh, had battled there and so a large portion of the people that lived there were retired Roman army guys uh, centurions and such so so it was very patriotic and very Roman. And so they go there and remember Paul's modus operandi is to head over to the synagogue and preach there. Well, there's no synagogue in Philippi, probably because it was super Roman, but he finds out that there are a group of believers, uh, but they, they don't have a synagogue and they go out in the evenings to pray and be together by the river, which is about a mile and a half outside a city. So he heads out there and, and there he meets, um, an interesting group of people. Let's let's go there and read who he meets. It says, verse 14, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Okay, so did you catch it? He goes to teach and he talks to the women that are associated there. Uh, Mind-blowing, right? He's talking to women. Now, Christ talked to women. We don't find that that strange, but in those days, this is, this is awesome. And I love that the first uh, convert, did you catch where they are in Greece? First convert in Europe? is a woman. And not only that, she is a seller of purple. Now, purple dye was very expensive. And so she was a businesswoman and a well-off businesswoman. So she is a big powerhouse businesswoman who is very faithful. And upon hearing Paul and his companions is immediately baptized and becomes um, a member of the church. And then she kind of challenges them and says, well, if you think I'm faithful, you'll come stay with my house at my house. And they, and she constrained us. Like, <laughs> She wouldn't let us take no for an answer. We had to come to her house and uh, be there. Now, Lydia, um, such a faithful story that that the Spirit is working through them so strongly that you remember the man, there's a man in the vision. I don't know who the man is, but I love that the man is in the vision, but when they show up, it's a woman. 
I know most of you, half of you won't care because you're men. But for those of us that are women, it is awesome to have a businesswoman and a powerful woman be a convert. And she brings her whole household and many with her. Now, Philippi becomes this great uh, stronghold of the church. And in fact, Lydia and others support both Jerusalem saints and other poorer areas and Paul throughout the rest of his life. And he writes back to them and tells them that at least the Philippians are faithful in staying faithful where some of the others get quite a bit of chastising. Uh, Philippi doesn't. And I think it's the strength of Lydia and the others who are there. So I love, I love to consider that as we read that kind of tie into that. Now, next, uh, we have still a few more minutes. So next, I, what I'm going to challenge you to do is read through these stories, because what's going to happen is that Paul is going to go from city to city, and it's kind of it's kind of fast moving. Kapow, kapow, kapow. He's in a different city, and these uh, one of two things happens. He finds some people that are listening and faithful and ready to be converted, and then on the other hand, he finds others who are threatened, whether they are Jews or whether they are leaders of those cities. They're the silversmiths. They're really threatened. Demetrius, for example, very threatened um, because he's he makes the little uh, silver gods and goddesses, little idols uh, of the pagan religions, of the Greek religion. And so if they all get converted, they're out of business. So they have them thrown in jail. They're in prison. They get beaten and flogged, the missionaries, numerous times. So Paul becomes an amazing missionary and a symbol of Christ as he lives, relives Christ's suffering to teach us about Christianity, to teach us the way of the Savior uh, into these people. So just amazing stories. So my challenge is my challenge. I want you to go through and read these stories. And there are a number of them. So pick them and see if you can find any relationship to yourself, to your own family, to your own mission, to your mission experience with maybe your grandparents. But see if you can find something that's applicable to you today. These are diverse groups and challenging times when cultures clash and religion and practices clash. Is that like us today? That's exactly like us today. Uh, scriptorians, that's it. Um, good luck. That is the groundbreaking announcement, um, the decision in Acts that, uh, if you didn't catch it, that Gentiles do not have to become Druze, which allows for all of us to have Christianity brought throughout the world and eventually be restored. So that's it, Scriptorians. Until next time, keep on reading.